HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. This is Sherry Bayer from All in the Industry. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Cow, we're back. Can you dig it? We survived the fight last night, and uh, <laughs> just, just barely, yeah, just barely. What a snooze fest that was! But we're here. It's Sunday, and it's May, and outdoor fucking starts today, right here on the Heritage Radio Network on Arts and Seizures. And uh, Judy McGuire is still on permanent vacation. I suppose I should start shopping for a real co-host one of these days. But in the meanwhile, today I'm going mono a mono with the last real writer in the East Village. Glad to have Tiger Moody here with us. Howdy, folks. There he is. And, uh, and your new book, Induction of the Sycophant, on the much-revered Kix books. Induction of the Sycophant. The same people that bring us Norton Records. Did you watch the fight last night, Tiger? I sure did. And what do you think? <laughs> you know, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, I've got a very special song to play at our break today, <laughs> which will become um, it will become all very germane very quickly. But yeah, it was kind of a snooze. I guess these guys had no real impetus to knock each other out, right? Uh, no, I, Mayweather's done trying to knock people out. Uh, uh, it's what I expected. It's about what you expected. It's. Yeah. Uh, you know what was a really great match was uh, the, the Mayweather-Big Show match. I think it was WrestleMania. I don't remember which WrestleMania it was, 22 or something. I don't remember. As you know, these, these boxing, boxer versus wrestling matches usually suck. I mean, they usually just you know, uh, fall with, flat. With the exception of Inoki Ali. I was going to say the Inoki Ali thing. I mean, do you think you remember that being spectacular? Or is it just a fond memory of childhood? It's a fond memory of childhood, but yeah, no, it wasn't spectacular. Crab walk for fifteen rounds. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, right. Ali yeah. was in the hospital for a month. Yeah, right, right, yeah. right. And, and and Andy Kaufman had his neck broken by Jerry Lawler too. Um, I mean, there were lots lots of things that happened in the ring that um, 
you know, maybe are not quite as they seem, so, Tiger. But, I'm just but, saying. But what happened but, with Mayweather? But, but Mayweather and, and the big show was great because um, usually the boxer's a celebrity and they want to put him over, you know. Uh, but the big show just, like, beat the shit out of him. I mean, he really ran him from pillar to post. And it was, it was absolutely incredible. Well, Mayweather was, like, a really good sport. I mean, he took a lot of bumps. And then he won by cheating with a pair of brass knuckles. But at, like, the 20-minute mark. I mean, it was the best boxer versus wrestler match of all time. And it's on YouTube. Um, anybody who's a wrestling fan down to a boxing fan or just likes, wants to see Mayweather have the shit kicked out of him. I highly recommend you look it up. I'd rather see the video afterwards when he went home and uh, beat up his wife. Yeah, yeah, not 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 so much. Okay, um, not so much, and in no way uh, read this as an endorsement. That here on Arts and Seizures, we are against domestic violence. Absolutely, we are a very very progressive show. We are against poverty. Yeah. We are against rape. We are against racism. We're taking a hardcore left wing stance here on Arts and Seizures. It's, it's, it's just a voyeuristic thing. I can't control it. Um, well, let's talk about your new book, which is entirely uh, groovy. Why don't you tell us uh, what, it, what it's about? And um, it's got an odd tie to the world of comic books, which we really love here on Arts and Sisters. Well, it's, it's a novel. It's uh, basically a fairy tale. It's called Induction of the Sycophant. And um, it explores the lives of a few cartoonists and children in uh, the early 1950s. Um, it uh, is loosely based on actual events, although uh, it's completely fictional. Well, we talked about um, Induction of the Sycophant as a play on Seduction of the Innocent, a uh, famous totem of, uh, I guess, the comic book scare. The comic book uh, yes, yeah. Uh, Seduction of the Inc- uh, Innocent being a, uh, a book by uh, Dr. Frederick Wortham, which was released, uh, what was it, 1953, I think? If you say so. Yeah, around thereabouts. And uh, he was a muckraker. He did a lot of good things, but also... Uh, he, he caused a lot of trouble. Well, I think he's mostly reviled among comic book fans. I mean, he's kind of like Heyman on Perm. People hear his name, they're boo, hiss. He, he did. I he, mean, he's the guy that, you know... Um, he destroyed said, the, the comic book industry. Right. He decimated it. Right. And, and, but um, somehow, in um, by a byproduct of this, is we got Mad Magazine out of the deal. We, we lost Mad the comic book, but we got Mad the magazine, right? Hey, that's true. Silver lining, yes. We were, we were talking about uh, this... this um, Last week when we were uh, hanging out in the East Village in Tompkins Park, because that's what we do, because we're old beatniks. Um, you actually took a tour of Mad Magazine when you were a kid, which would have been my dream. It would have been like... I did. I, yeah. and, and, and every time you turned around, was it going, like, sprunk, fasum, bleep up. <laughs> well, more or less. Uh, yeah, John Martin sound effects at every corner. Kind of. When we got there, uh, I was about 10 years old, and I, I went there with my mother and my little sister, and uh, they had a really uh, crotchety... Secretary uh, who let us in, and then um, you sure it wasn't just Dave Berg? Yeah, it was just, just hanging out because he always seemed like he would be a drag to hang out with. Uh, yeah, it could have been Dave Berg in a house dress. There, there wasn't much <laughs> difference, but uh, anyway, uh, she was kind of like a white Aunt Esther. But um, there was uh, in the front in the reception room was was just covered with uh, towers of paperbacks and uh, magazines of foreign editions of Mad, mm-hmm. and you know you were allowed to take whatever you wanted. So she encouraged us to take whatever oh we wanted, and then. Uh, she knocked on uh, Bill Gaines's door, and she's like, Bill, uh, you know, there's some kids here who want to talk to you. And uh, you just heard this moan and a groan, and, and he didn't sound happy. Finally, he opens a door, and it's just filled with smoke, and it's it was the coolest room I'd ever seen. I mean, there were zeppelins <laughs> hanging from the ceiling, and there were, you know, oil paintings of the old witch and everything, and, and just cool shit everywhere. But, uh, you know, he, he just he wasn't very nice to us. He was... <laughs> Muttering under his breath, cursing, farting. Fucking kids. Yeah, basically. It was, that's exactly what he said. And then uh, my mother was getting really embarrassed, and she was trying to drag us out of the office because we were bothering the man. But then he went over to the window, and he, he pulled up a shade, and there was a giant King Kong face in the window, and he, <laughs> he pretended to be scared. And 
almost oh. fell backwards, and, and then he became the nicest guy in the world. Oh, he put on a little show for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, we met, we met Al Feldstein, and you know, it, was, it was pretty cool. Well, the crazy thing is that you were invited, though. I mean, you didn't just like show up unannounced, hey, we're here to take the nickel tour. I mean, they actually offered... You were welcome to come. I to found it in the small print of the magazine. Yeah, they they did offer tours if if you if you read the fine print in the you know beginning of the issue of Mad at the bottom and yeah, come so meet the usual gang of idiots. Exactly. Yeah, they were and they were once once that was over. Yeah, they were very welcoming. We stayed for a couple hours and they were great. Hey, that's the show. That's the Willy Wonka thing, you know. Yeah. I, <laughs> well, I was really disappointed that um, none of the artists were there. I, I assumed. String. That, yeah. I, I, Flop. I, I, Exactly. <laughs> but, um, you know, and uh, about about two weeks later, uh, I got a manila envelope in the mail and I opened it up and it was a drawing from Jack Davis. And uh, either oh. Jerry or Al or Bill had actually said to him, like, this kid came and he was bummed out. He didn't get to meet you. So he sent me a drawing. Oh, that is just beyond kind. That is like Dude. old school Menchie kind of kind of crazy stuff. That's awesome. It may have been the highlight of my childhood. Dude, just hearing yeah. the story is like the highlight of, of my childhood. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. I mean, can I imagine like trying to get my mom to bring me to Mad Magazine? I, I mean, I, I know I grew up on Mad Magazine. Did you, did you experience the same um, phenomenon that I'd often read the parody of the movie before I saw the movie? And a lot of times it would be like an R-rated movie like The Exorcist or something that I wasn't allowed to see. So I'd be reading the parody, you know, the more trucker, Lou Silverstone, you know, parody in the magazine, you know, and then in my head, I sort of had, I knew what the movie was all about, yeah. you know, like long before I got to see the, the, the movie. I mean, I remember, um, yeah, uh, two, 2001, which, um, the, the satire was, uh, 201 minutes space idiocy. Mm. Yeah. And I definitely read that before I saw the movie. So my uh, personal favorite was a clockwork lemon, but, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, no, of course. Um, and my mother didn't want to take us at all, but once she finally found out it was free, she, she acquiesced. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but your mom was kind of hip, you were telling me, right? She was kind of a beatnik. She was. She was a, a dirty beatnik. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She'd have been very welcome on, on this show, that's for sure. But she married a cop. Uh, well, yeah, at the time he was an Army officer, but, yeah, he eventually ended up being a cop. And this formed you how? Amongst other things. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're, you're looking at yeah. it. Into this, uh, you know, manly Adonis. Uh. <laughs> well, you know, like I said at the beginning, show you the last uh, real guy, last real writer. I think in East Village. I mean, there's something, you know, about you, and we've talked about this before. I know a lot of assholes who pretend to be writers. A lot of people who wear it on their sleeves. Um, now, I deny being a writer. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. but um, I, I think you're the real deal, and it's awesome. I think it's great that um, our friend Miriam uh, over at Norton Records, and of course, Kicks Books, had had the vision, you know, to to actually put put out your your book. Um, yeah, without without her, I wouldn't. You know, I, I would still be unpublished forever. And uh, you know, I, I can't thank her enough. She is visionary. That's a fucking dirty racket. The publishing racket. It sucks, man. It, it, yeah, full of cunts. But uh, <laughs> um, but but no, no kidding. Kicks books. Uh, we, we we love them here. And of course, your uh, label mates. You know, the, the great stable include like you know, outer space Negroes and beatniks. Basically, is what what they publish. So you're you're in very good company. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more comic books because this is so much about um, the world of EC Comics and horror comics. Uh, you're, you're a pretty big uh, horror comic fan, and uh, I am. And I know comic books kind of defined my my childhood as well. Which were which are your favorites? Uh, well, you know, I first get started with you know I read superhero comics like every little kid. Um, you know, Spider Man, Superman, Batman. I was more of a DC guy than a Marvel guy, but really? I read I read everything. Yeah, well, I'm a traditionalist, you know, so I. I you know, I, although ironically, I, I like the American League better than the National League, but uh, yeah, no. I like DC, but uh, my father gave me a stack of uh, classics illustrateds from when when he mm -hmm. was a kid, and uh, I, I got really into old comics at that point. And uh, 
he started buying me the worn reprints of the Spirit. Uh-huh. So even as like a six or seven year old, I was getting really into the Golden Age stuff. And you could still buy. I could go to the Cranberry Bookworm in New Jersey and buy Golden Age comics for a quarter or fifty cents. So you know, I was destroying these what would now be priceless comic books. But uh, that that was my. Uh, I had, a, I had a copy early on uh, of Jules Pfeiffer's book. It was a compilation called um, The Great Comic Book Heroes. That was a great book. I, I right? wore out my copy. Uh, well, it's, Brilliant. It's, it's, still, it's still next to my bed, actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, quite literally, it's on my nightstand. With like, all the origin life. stories. With all the origin yeah, stories yeah. Of, of the Flash and the Spirit. Right. And, and I just read it over Plastic and over. Man, you know, Plastic Man, Spectre. Man. Yeah. I mean, like crazy stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think I'm in a large way. I mean, I think we're formed by comic books. We can't, you know, help ourselves. I like superheroes too. But the day that I like discovered marijuana and Robert Crumb was a big day. The first thing I saw was the Meatball comic. Oh yeah, yeah right. Meatball. Yeah. It starts raining meatballs. I love that. That's what I would like to happen. Like when Morrissey plays Madison Square Garden, just 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 like a shitstorm of meatballs coming at him. I, I, that would be ideal. That's yeah. When I look at Morrissey, I think of meatball rain. Um, waiting to happen. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Let's take a, let's take a quick break. But before we do that, I want to remind everybody out there in listener land that we are member supported here on Arts, Distance, Seizures, and the Heritage Radio Network. We're in the middle of a massive Kickstarter campaign. So look around the website if you're looking. Donate some money. Become donate. a member. Tiger will come over to your house and hang out with you if you send us enough money. Um, our tote bags are much better than the ones they give you at NPR, which we, which stands for No Pizza Radio. By the way, the pizza's going to be here. And I guarantee you, when you when you do. Um, this life of ours, whatever that show is, no pizza, only here at Heritage Radio. So uh, please uh, join the party, be a member. We're going to take a quick break and be back with Tiger Moody on Arts and Seizures. And what was your review of the fight last night? Okay, here we go. This is Mad Magazine, 1963. <laughs> it's a gas! Super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. 
All right, and thanks to Roberta's. How do you dig that that ad from our sponsor? I, I dug it. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a gas. It's about I'd say it's about as mature as the Mad Magazine song. Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> you know, Close. when I was reading comics when I was a kid, my father always told me you should grow the hell up already. When I was like seven, this is what he would tell me: you should grow up. You, you should have grown up. I should have. Well, yeah, I'm not really into what growing were you up. Thinking? I'm more into I'm more into evolving. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I know I'm an adult. What's the next step? I mean, growing up, I don't know the space baby at the end of 201 minutes of space idiocy, right? Word. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's up with that? I never got that. What, the Space Baby? I mean, that movie's too smart for me. I like it, but I, it always makes me feel like an idiot. It kind of bums me out. <laughs> I, my, fav- my favorite joke is at the, in the, in the, I'll never forget, in the Mad Magazine satire, at the beginning, all the monkeys are like standing around like the big monolith, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and one of them says, or, or, maybe, or maybe, they're on, maybe at this point, I guess they're on the moon because the monkeys wouldn't be talking. So the astronauts discover the same thing on the moon. One guy says, well, what the hell's that? And the other guy says, well, it's the box the UN building came in. I, I don't know. When I, was, when I was like eight, I thought that was the funniest thing of all time. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty funny. Is funny yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm processing it. Yeah, okay. Um, God bless him. Good Lord. Mad, Mad Magazine and, uh, and and books. And it was, it was my dream to write for Mad Magazine. I used to actually, I used to draw uh, cartoons and send them in, but I never heard back from them. I mean, they were like really bad copies of like shit I saw in the magazine. I mean, I was like seven when I did this. It's funny that you say that. Because but I sent it all the time, you know, and uh, I never even got like um, one of the Alfred E. Newman, you know, things that you could buy like 1300 of them for like 12 cents wow that's so cruel <laughs> I know. Yeah, they hated you they did yeah uh, that's, that's what my father told me yeah he said they don't want you yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was, I was the, I'm the product of very encouraging yeah. uh parents but and yet somehow Thank um, you, Dad. You, you and i kind of uh defied expectations and sat down and uh i don't know did our homework and wrote some books so i mean i'm, I'm a, you know how Okay, yesterday we were talking about word count. How many words are in this book? This is kind of kind of technical talk and inside this baseball. This is shit. actually a fairly but, short book, despite the page length. It's a, probably about uh, yeah, fifty six, fifty. Really, 8, I would guess that this was a ninety thousand word book because it feels like it's got some heft to it. it feels, Absolutely it feels not. Like it, it no. Feels like it's got some muscle to it. No, I, I just I, I, I asked that there were th- there was thick paper used. I wanted a big spine because you know you get hit somebody with it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I, I've, I've, I've clobbered someone with a book of mine. That was like one of the great, great pleasures. I, right? I, I've had the misfortune of beaten, being beaten up with a book once by a, by a woman. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> she threw the book at you? Ho, ha, he, ha. Uh, yeah. Or something like that. So uh, what's, what's your writing process to write this? I mean, um, I mean, I write mostly nonfiction, so it's a, it's a different thing, the creative process, and a different kind of homework, but, um, but it is homework. Yeah, I, I, well, I had absolutely no idea how to write a book, but uh, basically I was... I beg sh- to differ, sir. I was, well, I was... I was a shut-in for about three or four months, and I, I didn't leave the house, and you know, except to buy toilet paper and you know cornflakes, and uh, I just sat and, there and wrote a book. And drugs? Uh, yeah, maybe. But uh, no, it's a uh, yeah, it's a uh, not easy writing book. Um, well, kind of, people do it all the time. So I'm always amazed. I'm amazed how, with the help of my laptop computer, I haven't written forty more. I mean, just I mean. Relative to like you know Charles Dickens you know sitting down with his quill pen, not to mention like the, the motherfucker who had to typeset the thing. I mean, I mean, it just seems so easy right now. I feel like I should be a lot more. Uh, yeah, productive. yeah, that, that, that's a good point. It, it, it does boggle my mind that you haven't written forty more. But um, let's. Uh, I mean, I mean, I, I didn't go to school. I didn't go to college. I was never a writer. Um, so it's it's just a, you know feeling out process. Um, I started writing on. F- I started writing emails a few years ago, and uh, I'd never, I'm <laughs> that, not kidding. That's I how started, it starts. I started writing. Uh, my, basically, what happened was my uh, I had a horrible February 2011. My dog died. My wife left me, and I turned 40 in about a span of 10 days. 
and I was either going to blow my brains out or, or do something else, so I just started writing, and that's that's how it began. Ah, writing is therapy. I've heard of this. I didn't even think of it as therapy. I just thought it was, you know, like, is that therapy? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's weird. Usually when I'm writing a book, it's like I don't want to drink and because I need a clear head. Clarity is very important to me, and it actually kind of the, the writing process kind of sobers me up, and it gives me a lot of focus because I like to write in the morning, like before I look at you know Facebook or the Huffington Post or, or you know the New York Times or whatever. Because I feel once that shit gets into my head, it's like done. It's like like the purity of my message has already been diluted. Um, I don't think I've ever had a clear head in my entire life. <laughs> well, you don't knock it till you've tried it. Um, but uh, yeah, but it depends. I mean, some the book I'm writing, I, I'm working on now. I'm working on this kind of this childhood memoir, and it makes me want to drink all the time. It's hmm. weird. It's the first time that, that that's happened. Someone sent me this uh, internet meme the other day. Uh, it's one of these goofy, stupid things that people put on the internet, but I thought it was kind of about right, actually, describing the creative process. And it's, uh, number one, this is awesome. Number two, this is tricky. Number three, this is shit. Number four, I am shit. Number five, this might be okay after all. And number six, this is awesome. That, that pretty much sounds like my mornings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's about right. And then repeat, yeah, and then rinse and repeat the next day when I look at it. Oh, this is shit. What was I thinking? <laughs> yeah, it usually takes me about six months to to revise something. How hard are you on yourself? Very. Yeah. The worst. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, wood writing always came out of revision, revision, yeah, revision. I, I whip myself with barbed wire. I'm a really awful one myself. And and, and how and how about the, the gatekeepers at Kicks Books? Uh, how are they on me? Yeah, I mean, Mir- Miriam whips. She, she cracked that whip. Tiger, no, no, I don't like that adverb. No, she's sweet as pie. No, that should be a comma there, not a semicolon. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Miriam's the sweetest. She's great. Uh, she's very encouraging. Nothing like that. That's it. That's it. Come on, hype Miriam. We love Miriam here, and we love we love Norton Records and Kicks Books. Say lots of nice things about them because they they are local heroes. And I'm telling you, no kidding. Uh, they, I think they're the coolest. Versus like traditional quote unquote traditional public publishing. You know, being on, on Little Brown. Uh, my last book came out in Little Brown. Like big fucking deal. They, you know what, what they really do for us? That Kicks Book will do thirty thousand more things for you. I, I just have... with the association, you're going to reach so many more people. And you've you've already like you know had. You know the status of like you know awesome conferred on you just by like being with this group. Yeah, I, I have zero interest in, in big publishers, and and I, that's that will be perpetual. I will never be on a, a big publishing house, no matter how much money they throw. Oh, uh, you say that now? Well, so. no, 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 no. I, I mean, I, not like it would happen because they, they they wouldn't be interested in my stuff anyway. But uh, what is that, Liz? Is that Random House on the phone? Is that Random House calling in here with a, with a big offer for Tiger Moody? We want Hollywood's calling Tiger. Hollywood's calling. We want to make a movie, Induction of the Second Font. And uh, who's going to star in this book? Who would star in I this? didn't say anything about Hollywood. <laughs> Selling out already. So who yeah. would star in Induction of uh, the Second Font if it were? And notice my clever use of the subjunctive um, and not the past tense because, because we're past tense. We live in bungalows now. Yeah, I see. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, let's see. Jeremy Irons. Um, oh, I like that. Robert Redford. Uh, Johnny Depp. Uh, who else would be in this movie? It's funny because all those people would be in my book as well. We need someone who's in my book playing me. There's got to be a, yeah uh, someone someone who could play. There's got to be a lot of Jews. We need Jews in Jews, it. Jews, well, comic books and Jews, you know, they, that's like pancakes hand and syrup. Exactly. You know, yeah, right yeah. there, it's like soup and a sandwich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, God bless them. So you're still still uh, still calling the East Village home. I love the East Village. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I hate it. What is is it that you still love about it? Because it certainly isn't the same place that we used to live in when we got there. We're second best. Where where else am I going to go? I mean, it's not what it used to be, but... But But then again, what is? Exactly. Yeah. You find me a better place and I'll go there. I mean, is it... No, 
it stinks compared to what it was 25 years ago. But and what was it 25 years ago exactly? It was a it was a <laughs> rollicking good time. It was wide open. It was it was wide open. Yeah, you could buy you know coke or heroin at any deli. You know it was. <laughs> I like those. I knew all those delis. Yeah, yeah. The street corner. Man, I bought a lot of weed at the corner of Tenth Street and Second uh, Avenue. You know, and then you know then they moved to Ninth Street and then there was a candy store in Avenue C that I used to like going to to get get bags of weed and. Uh, yeah, yeah. I lived I lived right above one of those places. It was a wedding a plaster wedding cake place on Avenue C and Eighth Street. And where they have like, like one thirty three Avenue C. Right. It's yeah. like a, right the. the candy store and they had like one like butterfingers bar was the entire inventory exactly and it'd be very faded and we had, we had you know in the backyard there was like you know just stacks of cages with game cocks in them you know <laughs> you know wake you up every morning it's great and it's funny when we uh were hanging out the other day you said to meet me in tompkins square where the band shell used to be oh yeah yeah lots of great shows uh you know i i, I was of course a uh after comic books, I was into punk rock, and I was a skinhead for, for many years, and, and we used to go to shows in Tompkins all the time, and obviously CBs and the Pyramid. And You feel nostalgic? The Pyramid's still open, right? I mean, oddly enough, the Pyramid, I believe, still is, is an open and functioning place, though I haven't been in there in, like, you know... This uh, is true, but they don't have hardcore matinees anymore. No, yeah. no, no. But, yeah. um, but I think it still, like, functions as a club of some sort, right? It is, and I, I noticed they have a lot of hip-hop nights there. You should, should have a party there. I mean, it was, it was always a great place. I used to like playing at the Pyramid Club. That was a good place back, back when. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll tell you, do you feel, do you feel nostalgic uh, you know, for the Mars Bar, for CBGBs, for all, all these places? And, uh, I mean, do you think it's changed too much? We do a lot of shows here on Arts and Seizures. We call it, Dude, Where's My New York? Yeah, time marches on. You know, that's part of the city. And I, th- I think people complain about it. I don't know. It's just, I mean, every generation complains. Every generation is going to say it wasn't as good as it used to be. And, and they're all right. You know, um, do I miss all that stuff? Yeah, but, you know, whatever. There's, there's new things to, out there and to focus on. I was walking around uh, uh, New York City, Man- uh, Manhattan, uh, last week with um, a cousin of mine who's, right. uh, who's uh, seven, he's going to be 75 years old. And this was a guy, uh, he's, he's got a great backstory. He was arrested at the, at the 1968 Democrat, Democratic Convention. Uh, he was a sound engineer, and he okay. said he went to set up the sound right. he goes, for some stupid rock band. He's so funny because he hates he hates rock. He's of the generation where he, you know he missed the rock and roll thing. You know he likes classical music and jazz and blues, and doesn't understand the need for large amplification. I mean, it's just like anathema to him. But he was a sound engineer, and they needed someone to set up for the band, which presumably was the MC5. So my cousin, I'm trying to connect the dots, is the guy that set up the sound system for the MC5, for the only band that showed up at the '68 convention. Famously, the Jefferson Airplane and all these pussy San Francisco hippie bands decided not to show up. But anyway, he got arrested. And we were walking around New York City the other day, and he was just sort of telling me these stories, how great it was in 1962, you know? And it sounded remarkably like how great it was in 1982. Huh. I mean, it was amazing. His lifestyle didn't seem that different. It was a little bit cheaper, but I mean, he told me he was living in this great place. It was $250 a month, but he also had two roommates. Right. You know, that he was sharing with. And one of the guys actually wasn't there because he was living with his girlfriend. But in 1962, you couldn't really live with your girlfriend. Right. So he was just kind of like, you know, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. just, just paying the rent. And it was easy. But it sounded amazingly like the more things changed, the more it didn't really change. It wasn't as wide open as I had imagined no. uh, his experience to be. No, no, no. We're a pretty uh, tip and swinging cat. It's funny you mentioned the Jefferson Airplane. My mother used to be roommates with Grace Slick, and she actually, uh, speaking in 1968 in Chicago, she worked her first legal job. My mom was a lawyer, was uh, with Melvin Belli, 
who uh, represented the Stones, you know, at Altamont. And Jack Ruby. Yeah, yeah, amongst many others, yeah. And I actually, we had a note from uh, Marvin Belli when I was working for High Society Magazine, and uh, we had all these Polaroids uh, of Chuck Berry with white women, naked white women, and Chuck Berry. It was like a big stack of them. I was in the office the day they came in, and uh, they, they, were, they were later published, and we got a, a letter, um, a season desist. Right. Um, and the boss who got the letter, he's like, Marvin Belli, hey, we rate pretty high. Yeah. And, he, and he put the letter on the uh, refrigerator with a magnet. Right. <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> the ultimate sign of pornographer contempt. Wait, were you responsible for that? Uh, <laughs> is this Chuck Berry video? No, I'm no, I'm not. But yeah. but but screw, but, cu- but screw did pedal that for a while. Oh uh, yeah, is this Chuck Berry? Is yeah. this Chuck Berry? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were the days. Hey, listen, before we go, you got a big gig tonight. And I want to tell everybody to come on out to the East Village uh, tonight to see you. Um, and Lenny K is going to introduce you, and Kicks Books is going to be there, and what's happening? Where That's is right. It? It's and a- where can someone go to uh, see you and get a book to face? Okay, I'm gonna. Well, it's a book launch for induction of the sycophant new novel on Kicks Books. Uh, it's going to be at uh, 7:30 p.m. It's that we're going to gather, and I think the event's going to begin around eight. It's at Kingston Hall, which I believe is 149. It's either 149 or 139 Second Avenue. That's between Ninth and Tenth Street, and on the second floor. And it's a it's a beautiful space, and uh, drinks are two for one, and you know there'll be. Lots of hot chicks and, you know, handsome dudes and, you know, fine literature. All right. So that's, and Lenny K. And Lenny K. Uh, and that's awesome. So that's tonight in the Swinging East Village on 2nd Avenue between 9th and 10th. You can go uh, meet the great Tiger Moody, the last real author in the East Village, and uh, get a copy of his new book, Induction of the Sycophant, on our very favorite Kicks books. And um, you're an old-fashioned kind of guy, but if someone wanted to reach out and find you on the social media machine, can they do that? I am on Facebook. Yes, okay. and not 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 on Twitter, not on Instagram, or none of that other crap. But you can find me on the Facebook, or you can email me at uh, Joshua Moody NYC at gmail dot com. I feel very small because I'm about to plug my own Twitter account. But uh, yeah, follow, uh, yeah, you follow me at uh, Mr. Mike Edison. Yeah. But um, but it, but it works okay because you know what? It helps people get to gigs, and hopefully, people will tune in and listen to arts and seizures. And I'm excited. You're going to start a new book. What's next? Uh, yeah, I got another book I'm working on. And uh, yeah, we got Top a bunch, secret? Uh, bunch of irons in the fire. Well, I got one called Scabs, uh, which is uh, about my life as a uh, tattooer in a uh, black neighborhood in the uh, mid 90s. Um, a few others. All right. Yeah. Well, that's that's amazing. So, uh, as ever, it has been the fastest half hour on the that internet was mighty fast. today. Yeah. Um, so, I want to thank Mad Magazine, of course, number one, and Liz in the Booth and the Heritage Radio and everybody out there in Radio Land, Roberto's, of course, and how about these characters here at the uh, the awkward day table? They're not having any fun today. This this couple, they they really wish like they could be anywhere, anywhere but here together. I think it may have topped them for awkwardness, but yes, they look very uncomfortable. Oh, are you kidding? This is a very romantic soiree compared to compared to the brunch <laughs> they're having. All right, for every. Everybody here at Heritage Radio, it's Mike Edison and Photographer Moody. Go see him tonight. Dig his book, Induction of the Sycophant. Liz in the booth. Thank you very much. See you next week. The great Simon Chartier is coming next week. Simon Bar Sinister. It's going to be a genuine, a genuine hootenanny. See ya. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.